famous last words. Wilson Misner, playwright, 1933, famous last words, priest came to him on his deathbed. and said, I suppose you want to talk to me. Misner replied, why should I talk to you? I've been talking to your boss. Louise Marie Theresa, famous uh, French nun, 1732, almost 300 years ago. Shortly before her demise, she passed gas, and she said, good, a woman who can fart is not dead. I thought, 300 years later, her one viral moment, her last words, she probably was hoping it wasn't something like that. Harriet Tubman, famous last words, swing low, sweet chariot, famous song. Bob Marley, money can't buy life. Winston Churchill, I'm bored with it all. Catherine Booth, founder of the Salvation Army, the waters are rising, but so am I. I'm not going under but over. I thought that was pretty cool. The waters are rising, but so am I. I'm not going under, but over. Adoniram Judson, famous missionary, said this. I liked a lot too. He said, I go with the gladness of a boy bounding away from school. No offense to any teachers here, administrators. I'm sure you're happy to, to leave school too at times. I go with the gladness of a boy bounding away from school. I feel so strong in Christ. Famous last words of our Savior. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And that's our subject this morning. So short series, great series, uh, that just famous last words, fame. Two weeks ago, Pastor Tom Spiker talked about that lengthy prayer John 17, where Jesus sees the storm coming, sees the cross coming with all its pain and anguish, and spends a lengthy time praying, preparing for that trial through prayer, talking to God about what's coming, preparing his heart, his soul, his emotions for the coming trial. Last week, Pastor Josh talked about several words of Christ uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing in, in those various words. Uh, the words, you can put that up on the screen, just my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And just about when we're in the midst of the storm, that might be a natural human saying, and it's okay to say, to cry, cry out those feelings to the Lord and to utter things, Father, forgive them. But when everything is said and done, the moment before he dies, he says, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And that's the pattern for you if you are a follower of Christ. You see the trial coming, you prepare yourself through prayer, through lengthy prayer, taking time to speak it out with God and to prepare yourself spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally for the coming trial, the coming difficulty, when you're in the midst of that hard time, when you're in the midst of that storm, whether you expect it or not, it is natural to cry out to God. My God, where are you? Father, I forgive this person for what they're doing. 
But when all is said and done, you say something to the effect of, Father, now I just give it to you. Father, I commit it to you. Father, I surrender it to you. That's the last thing we do. And we leave it with him. We surrender to him. And then we see what God does and how he brings new life, how he carries us through the storm. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this Palm Sunday. Help us, Lord, as we seek to follow you to be those when we see trouble coming, that we're quick to pray, that we're quick to take the time in prayer to get ready. And Lord, in the midst of our storms, Lord, that we, we cry out to you, whatever's in our heart, we just put it out to you. But when it's all said and done, Lord, help us to be those who, we just give it to you, Lord. We put our lives, our circumstances, our relationships, our pain, our sorrow, our joy, we just give it to you and we trust you. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So if you got your Bible, you can open up to Luke chapter 23. You can follow along. Uh, look, at, look at your phone. Luke chapter 23, just verses 44 to 46, the very last moments of the life of our Savior before he passed into death. Verse 44. It was now <clears throat> about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. While the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out, or yelling, shouting, screaming, with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. First things first, this morning if you're following along the outline, first things first, run to the Father. You can always Run to the Father. If you are a follower of Christ, if you're a Christian, God is your Father. Jesus cries out, Father. This is not a generic formula. This is how he truly felt. The Son of God, this was his normal pattern. He shouts out, Father. It's not... Um, just like, I, I need to do this, but that's truly what he felt. What's Jesus saying when he, he says, Father, he's saying, I'm not alone. I'm not an orphan. I'm not unloved. I'm not uncared for. I'm not abandoned. I'm not forsaken. There's someone I belong to. And that's the truth for you and I. That when we cry out, Father, we're crying out, we're saying that you and I, we're not orphans. We're not all alone. We're not all misunderstood. We're not just alone in our agony or pain or sorrow or anxiety, that we have a father too. This was the normal pattern of, of Jesus. In John 12, it says, Jesus says, now my soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Jesus was recognizing that this is who I turn to. My father holds all things in his hands. Psalm 68.5 says this. Father of the fatherless 
and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God prefers not to be generic, anonymous. He prefers that we call him father, even to this point that I'm, I'm the father of the fatherless. It's what we love about him. He's a protector of widows, is God in his holy habitation. For those who are neglected, for those who are unseen, for those who suffer in silence, God says, I'm, I'm their father. I'm a father to the fatherless. People may be invisible to other people, but they're not invisible to me. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 9, when he's asked, I mean, how should, how should we pray? And he says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Start off with the words, Father. The encouragement, if you are in Christ, if you're a follower of Christ, you've, you've asked Christ to come in to your heart, you've confessed Jesus is my Lord, I'm gonna obey him and follow him. Jesus is your Father. And I want to encourage you to practice, if you don't already, calling him Father. Because that, that should do something for us that, hey, I'm a son, I'm a daughter. He's my dad, he's my father. Be familiar. God wants you to be familiar with him on normal days, as a normal daily habit of our Father, so that when the storms come, when the trial comes, when the cross comes in your life, you're able to naturally say like Jesus, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, because it's something you say every day, all the time. What do you think about, how do you think a father feels if they never hear from their son or daughter, except when they need something. Imagine a father and he's sitting in his chair and he sees uh, the phone, it's a text or a phone call and like, oh, she must want something from me. Or, oh, he's, that's my son, he's, he must need some money, I wonder how much. And an earthly father might be resentful and, and like, I wish he'd call me every day and I wish he'd call me when more than just when she just needs something. And an earthly father, it might be natural for them to feel that way, a bit resentful or indignant. But God the Father wants you to call him or text him when, you need, when you're in trouble. Of course, God our Father, if you're in Christ, he wants us to come to him on a daily basis saying, my Father in heaven, but if all you do is just like, if you still only call him when you're in trouble, you, you cry, don't, don't let your pride hold you back. Because God the Father loves you so much, he sent his son to die for you, and you ought never to let shame or, oh, I haven't talked to God in so long. Don't let that hold you back. He is a perfect and loving father, father of the father, fatherless, a protector of widows. He cares for you. Always call out to him. You can always run to God because he's such a good father. He is the perfect loving father. You can always run to God. Run to the father, put your life in his hands. Back to Luke 23. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. God created us with hands hands to grip things, 
hands to hold things, hands to touch things. Now the Bible talks many references to God having hands. Does God actually have physical hands of bone and flesh? No, God, God is a spirit. So why then does the Bible so often talk about God as having hands, his hands doing things? The Bible says that so you and I will know what he's like because you and I can understand things with our hands. We understand we have hands of our own and we, we, we can understand him. It's so you and I can know him better. So let's look at some various verses about hands and connect it back to Luke 23. What is Jesus saying when he says, Father, into your hands? Let's look at some other verses. Let's bring up uh, Hebrews 1.10. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. So God is hands. It's like God took, okay, here's the sun, here's the moon, here's, uh, let's see, I'll put Mercury here, I'll put Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, so on. Remember being in Mexico many years ago in a deserted part, the night sky, like, it's like the Milky Way was actually milky, and like, I'll just put all these stars up here, put the Southern Cross down here. God's hands did all that. And so when we say, Father, into your hands, Jesus is saying, Father, into your world-creating, star-birthing hands, I'm putting my life. Your hands so powerful to the moon, the rings of Saturn, the galaxies, this galaxy, that galaxy with my hands, God did. Into your hands, God, your powerful, powerful hands, I'm putting my life, my circumstances, my troubles, my problems, my cross, I'm putting it in your hands. Next verse, Josh mentioned last week, uh, John chapter 10, Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no, no one will snatch them out of my hand. Next verse, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. Now, little exercise, put your Bible down, put your phone down. As I tell my son, put your phone down. Your, your hand will not fall off if you put your, 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 your phone down, son. Just a little fun, father-son thing. With one hand, just make the, the, a, a fist and clench as hard as you can. Clench, clench as hard as you can. With, the, with your other hand, now just grip it as hard as you can. Grip it, feel the grip, feel it. Think about God has you in his grip. Whatever you're going through right now, he's got you in the grip. Put your hands down. So maybe just as a little exercise, you're stressing out, you're anxious, life feels out of control, just as a physical reminder that God has a powerful hand. And you could put your life in his powerful hand and squeeze and just feel the pressure that God is real, that God knows you. He knows everything you say, everything that you think. He understands you as no one else does. 
and he does indeed have your life. His powerful hands, you can trust him. Uh, next verse, Acts 4, 28 says this, uh, the people will do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Meaning that God's hands control, that God's hands steer, that God's hands have power to control, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Let me catch up here just a moment. It's just uh, as, as hands control a car steering wheel. A couple weeks ago, Isaac, this is the last time I'll refer to you, but we were driving to Salt Company, leaving our house, going by the Syracuse Community Center, and just about to go head up the hill uh, past the Syracuse Library. I looked over, my son's driving, he's got his permit, he's only got one hand on the wheel. And I said, get two hands on the wheel. And then he said to me, he says, Dad, I've driven with you before with only one hand on the wheel. I said, that might be true, but now I see you with just one hand, so get two hands on the wheel. When you get your license and when I'm not around, you can maybe drive with one hand on, on the wheel, but I want you to have two hands on the wheel. It's the proper way. Do you have a lot more control with two hands on the wheel? God has two hands on the wheel with your life. God guides God is in control. He's steering, even if you're a little nervous about the road that you're on. The next verse, also from Acts, says, and the hand of the Lord was with them, the early Christians, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. That the hand of the Lord was causing people to turn toward him. That his hand was turned toward the Lord. What do you value more, your ability to make decisions or God's ability to make all things work for good? What do you spend more time and emotion on if you make the right decision or just God's got me, I'm gonna pray and God's got me? I think naturally, humanly speaking, we put a lot of stake in we gotta make the right decision. We gotta read these, oh, I read this article and this article and, and now I feel confident that I'm making the right decision even though it might be the wrong decision. You may read another article a couple weeks that tells you the exact opposite. Like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. The biblical emphasis is that while we're commended to be wise and not foolish, to think, to make plans, to think, use our minds, the biblical emphasis is that God rules that God, even our mistakes, even our bad decisions, even our errors, God's greater than our mistakes. He's greater than your, your bad decisions. There are many Proverbs that talk about, you know, we make decisions, but God ordains our steps. God's over it. Let me see here. Just uh, God guides us whether we see it or don't see it. God guides us whether we feel it or don't feel it. God guides us whether we understand it or don't understand it. He's sovereign over our choices. We make the, the best decision we can and then we trust him. We make the best decision we can and then we release it, surrender it unto him. 
knowing that God ultimately is the one who writes the story of our lives in good and bad decisions, in wise and foolish, in impulsive and well-thought-out decisions. God is greater, and we commit our lives to him. Run to the Father, put your life in his hands, because after surrender comes resurrection. This is the true, powerful, spiritual truth over and over again. After surrender comes new birth, new life, resurrection. After the storm, God brings back, he raises up. As with his son Jesus, if you are his follower, so it will be with you. As with Jesus, as he died, as he suffered, as he saw the cross, as he obeyed, as he released himself, as he surrendered to the cross to pay for our sins, as he wrestled through the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. And lastly, he surrenders, he releases, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit as he dies, as he is buried, put in the tomb, glorious resurrection, the conqueror, the, the risen one, the champion over death and sin, the freedom, the victorious one, the everlasting one rises from the dead. So it is with you if you follow Christ. When you come to Jesus for the, for the first time, if you're, if you're not a Christian, you, you do so by releasing your sin, dying to yourself. My life is no longer my own. I release my sins to you, Father. You give me back my life. I'm raised, I die with you, Jesus. I rise again with you, Jesus. The baptism three weeks ago is a picture of that. I die with you under the water. I come back to life with you. Baptism is the picture of that. That is the spiritual truth of that. And many times, if you follow Christ, it's gonna happen over and over again. There are multiple crosses that we face and we work through, we wrestle through, and God always brings us back. Let's take a, a closer look at this word commit. There it is. It, it, it's, it's a rich word. It could be translated a couple different ways. Sometimes it's, it's translated as set before. In Mark 6.41, when Jesus is feeding the 5,000, uh, bring that up, thank you. It talks about this word, um, set before. He, took, he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people, taking food and committing it, setting it before. And so the imagery is when Jesus says, Father, I commit my life, I set myself before you, Father, like a meal for you to enjoy. I offer myself to you, Holy Father. My Father, I offer myself to you as, as a meal for you to richly enjoy, to do with whatever you will, and I trust you. Another sense of that, you can go back to Luke 23, is the word entrust. Like, like I, how many of you got, have a lockbox or a safety box at home? Or you've got a, a, a gun cabinet where you can safely lock stuff away. And how do you feel when you deposit an important paper or you lock up a weapon and you turn the key or you spin the dial on the lock don't you feel like a little bit of like, oh good, I feel safe. 
There's a safe emotion there as I walk away. And so that's the meaning when, Je- when, when he says, Father, into your hands I commit. I, 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 I leave it to you. I leave it to you and I walk away. I lock, it, I lock up my life with you, God. I don't know how this is gonna end up. I don't know how you're gonna bring me back to life. I don't know how you're gonna bring good from this, but I lock up my life with you. I deposit it with you. I spin the lock and there it is. 1 Peter 4.19 has that, that sense when it says this, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust, commit, set before, who entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. In this verse, <coughs> meaning about those followers of Christ who are in the midst of some type of great suffering According to God's will, God was over their suffering, but it was to them to let, Lord, I'm suffering for you, but I'm gonna commit it to you. I'm gonna set it before you. I'm gonna entrust it to you. I'm gonna lock it up with you. I'm gonna deposit it with you, and I'm gonna keep doing what is right, even though I'm suffering unjustly. So if you're in a situation at work or in your family where you're not being treated right, but you're just gonna say, Lord, I'm gonna trust you and I'm gonna keep doing the right thing. I'm gonna keep forgiving. I'm gonna keep loving those, per- those people. I'm gonna keep being patient. Even in the midst of that, that's how I'm gonna walk out. I'm just gonna trust you that you're gonna bring me through this trial. Larry Crabb is a f- somewhat famous Christian author and this idea I'm gonna share with you is, is from him. And it's, it's the idea of trusting God versus demanding of God. And so it might go something like this. Demanding of God might say something like, let's bring up this prayer. Lord, if you're really good, if you really love me, you will do so and so. Now, how many of us have prayed that prayer? I have. I've prayed prayed that kind of prayer. We've all felt that way. We've all prayed that way. I've always felt that way. But really, God is always good. He's always good. And I'm demanding of him. A second type prayer might be, Lord, I've been so good. I've done all the right things. I've done so much for you. I've served you in so many ways. I've I've prayed that way. I've felt that way. I've thought that. But again, I'm putting God in a a, a corner. Like, Lord, I I earned it. I deserve better than this. We can all naturally feel that way and think that way. But what I want to commend for all of us as Christ did on the cross, is we pray something like this. Lord, I trust you. No matter what happens, I love you and I will follow you. After we've prayed and thought stuff like this, we come, we end with, Lord, I trust you. After we've asked the Lord what we hope for, what we dream for, the deliverance we ask for, the provision we ask for, the last thing we pray is always, Lord, I trust you, and I'm going to follow you, Jesus. You've been more than good to me in the death of your son on the cross. You've done more, if I never receive anything else, you've paid for my eternal soul with your blood. But I know you love me, Lord, and I trust you, whatever happens. I like uh, coming back to Matthew chapter six where the Lord says his famous prayer. Let's come back to that. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. This is something that Jesus said every day. Make this your daily declaration, your daily prayer that our Father, my Father, you're in heaven. And the second thing is, let your kingdom come, your will be done. It is the same exact thing that he says on the cross when he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Abbreviated, that's what he prayed on a daily basis. So when the storm and the, and the, the trial came, he instinctively p- prayed, Father, into your hands I surrender my spirit. If, you've been, if you're a normal, regular attender here, uh, you may be familiar with this, but we do something called uh, P-R-A-Y every month or two here as a church where we follow this formula. If you want to bring this up, where the P stands for praise, praise or thanksgiving. The R stands for repent, to ask God to forgive you of any sins that come to mind. The A stands for asking for anything that we think of, any burden on our heart, any request, any hope, any need. But we always end with the letter Y, to yield, to surrender, to trust, to to release it unto God. You just put yourself in God's hands. How many of you, (coughs) you've never played the piano, do you think you could just walk up here to the piano and play Beethoven beautifully. How many of you, if you've uh, never played baseball before, think you could just go and be a star for the Wawasee High School baseball team? If, if, you, if you, a little boy did raise his hand back there, I saw that hand. So it could be a future baseballer there. He needs to be able to get himself to the baseball field first. But um, what I'm saying is that Surrender in things to God, committing them to God is no easy task. If you think it's easy, then you, you think just coming up here and playing the piano and playing Beethoven would be easy too. It requires a wrestling, uh, hours, minutes in prayer, wrestling it out with God, a, a dying, so to speak. John 12, 24 says this, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls in the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So the metaphor is for you, if you're following Jesus, you're that seed. Gardening season's just about here, folks. And you're that seed that what happens to the seed? It gets placed beneath the ground, <coughs> disappears under the ground. You no longer see it. Come back uh, the next day, still no ground, still, still just ground, plain, ordinary ground. Come back maybe the next day, two, three days, nothing, nothing. Seed's gone. It's evidently disappeared, out of sight, out of mind. Nothing happening, at least that we can see. Maybe a week, maybe two weeks, suddenly there's something green there. A couple months, maybe there's something beautiful, a flower, a blossom, a vegetable, a fruit. That's you if you're following Christ. That God will take you like the seed if you let him and you're planted. And in your trial, in your, you get buried, it feels like maybe you're invisible. That no one can see, no one knows. Nothing's happening. 
But then God brings about fruit. God brings new life and up you come to God's glory and for your good and for your joy. God does it. Another verse, uh, Matthew 16. This principle is everywhere that after surrender comes resurrection. Uh, Matthew 16, Jesus says, uh, whoever wishes to come after, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And so if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, deny your, your selfish desires, take up your cross symbolically and follow me. And then the next verse says this in 25, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses life for my sake will find it. Meaning whoever wants to live for themselves in their own pleasure, in their own will, whoever would fail to deny themselves, they're eventually gonna lose their life. But whoever denies themselves for Christ, whoever loses their life for Jesus, whoever dies, so to speak, whoever gets on their cross, so to speak, then they're gonna find their life. They will find joy. They will find freedom. They will find hope. They will find new life. They will find power by losing your life. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit to you. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. In your, are you trying to control your circumstances right now or are you releasing your circumstances to God? Are you trying to manage your life with God's help or are you surrendering your life to God saying whatever? Are you setting your life before God? Do you have your agenda of what your life, what you hope it looks like and asking for God, God's help, God does love you. Or are you just saying, Lord, I commit my life to you. You write the story of my life. You, uh, I just make me that seed, Lord. Bury me so that I might grow and sprout anew for you. Stop trying to control your circumstances. That message is for me as well as you. Stop let us stop trying to control our circumstances and release ourselves to God. After death comes life. After surrender comes resurrection. If you trust the Lord, and I, and I could say this, all the trials I've been through too, it's, it's never a matter of if God will bring resurrection. It's only a matter of when or how. Sometimes it seems long. Sometimes it seems like when. Sometimes it seems, Lord, I can't take this anymore. But he will. He will bring you back. He will always raise you up. I love a verse, uh, Psalm 7120. David cries out in this prayer. He says, you, speaking to God, you, God, who have made me see many troubles and calamities, it's okay to be honest with God and say, Lord, it's been tough. You, God, who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. 
just that confident. David, as an older man, just knowing all the trials and calamities and the suffering I've been through, suffering I brought on myself, suffering that life has happened to me from the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. It's no easy thing to wrestle through with God. When we leave it all here in our head, crazy things happen, pain, anxiety, distress. It's, it's necessary, the way God made it, that it needs to come out our mouth in order a lot of times for there to be relief. Whether that's talking to a friend, talking to a pastor, talking to a therapist, all things I commend to you. You know, you're going through, you're on the cross, you gotta, you're on a cross, so to speak, you gotta talk to somebody. That's the way God made you. I'd say first and foremost, you have to talk to God. Yes, when you, you pray silently, that's good, God hears that. But I just wanna commend to you that there's great value in talking out loud to God, alone, with somebody. For me, a lot of times, it's been, it's been in my basement where I will cry out to God. Now, keep in mind, Come back to uh, Luke 23. When it says Jesus cried out, it means he was yelling. It means he was shouting. There have been a couple times where my wife has gone to the basement door because the kids are upstairs. She said, Dave, you might want to keep it down a little bit because I was shouting as I wrestled with the Lord. That's been my personal practice many times. That's what I have to do to release it to God. So what I'm saying is that it is no, you don't just say, I commit it to you. Maybe you can, I can't. But it begins with, Father, I commit it to you. But it's a wrestling, it's a fight to surrender. Make no mistake, as it may be a fight for you to lose weight or to get in physical shape, it may be a fight for you to discipline, to learn an instrument such as the piano, or learn any other practice or skill, it will be a fight, a wrestling through. But it, the good news, it's a, it's a fight you're gonna win with the Father who loves you so much and is gonna bring you through because he loves you and he's gonna bring you through as a son or daughter. He's not gonna leave you in the midst of a painful fight. He's gonna bring you through and you just have to try your best to release it to him all the time. Many times. Today, if you've never trusted Christ, it's just a simple matter of believing that all men and women are sinners, that we all for, fall short of the glory of God. It's a matter of knowing that sin's penalty is death and eternal separation from God. It's a matter of believing that Christ paid the penalty for your sins on the cross. And Romans 10, 9 says this, because if we confess with, your, with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. You will be saved. It'd be our joy, Pastor Josh, myself, or someone on the prayer team just to pray with you if you want to talk about how you can pray to receive Christ. We'd love to do that. I also want to commend this, this final song as we stand in a moment just to, to sing. You could pray with someone next to you, but there's great value in just putting it out, getting it out, talking to a prayer team member in the back or up front and just saying, hey, help me. I just want to release something to God today. 
I want to commit it to him. I want to set it before him. A relationship, a sorrow, a struggle, a wrestling with sin, uh, a sin that keeps tripping you up. This is a great week to be right with God. It's Easter week. It's Holy Week. Another application might be just taking that P-R-A-Y and just for the next seven days, this Holy Week, you're gonna make this your practice. Every day for seven days, you're gonna make this your practice to praise, thank him, take time to confess, because confession is joyful on the way forward. Take time just to ask him. Take time to surrender. The last thing we always do as followers of Christ is we say, it's yours, God. I trust you. I'm gonna move ahead, and I'm gonna confidently knowing that you're a God of resurrection, you're gonna bring me through. Do that yourself. Do it with a friend, couple, family. Let's pray.